Hey, how's it going? Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Uh, I was speaking earlier this morning and suddenly there's this word I said and it had a bit of a rolled R in it and I was like, oh my God, what's going on? Uh, it sounded a bit like rolling, like R. Yeah, not like a pirate kind of rolling the R's and shivers and ooh, treasure. It is more like a uh, fortune, kind of like a wah, kind of uh, R rolling. So I apologize, whoever was in my presence. No one was there. I, I don't know why I apologize. But for the souls that live in the transcendental, no, on the transient, what's that plane called? On the trans... I should kind of figure these things out before I start on a thought. What's that plane called? Uh, celestial planes? Yeah, celestial planes. They're, they're these... Uh, yeah, there's this concept that once we uh, our soul departs, our human remains, it goes kind of into like this this place, if you want to call it purgatory. But I don't think it's called purgatory. It's called the celestial plane. What's the plane called? Trans... Not transcendental, obviously. A... Celestial planes, no. Trans. Anyway, one of these things, which is a parallel world, and it kind of bides its time for the next part of its journey. Now, whether it's kind of like a stopover, if you want to look at it like, uh, you, you, you kind of like, a, hopefully not like any of the airports we have on this planet, because some are good, like. Maybe Dubai is good, but yeah, with smoking rooms and toilets, kind of the soul needs to take a dump between life uh, experiences and uh, decide if it was too much of something, then it goes back to this body. And and that's the interpretation given by us human beings. And it's pretty remarkable that we've arrived at this conclusion that we are interpreting other life forms and what their purpose on this planet is and we project this understanding to other planets like mm, maybe if i was reading somewhere the james webb telescope what a fantastic bloody thing They're very intrusive it's like a neighbor who's got a really really new high-tech piece of gear and they're kind of you know looking at you having a bath right and like, we know what that bathroom is conducive for for life forms and having extremely nice ailment well, i don't know whatever you do in your shower but just speculating see the idea that we speculate that um Jupiter's moons uh, are conducive for life or there's a new galaxy or there's a new kind of thing. It's all just our for our own thing, for our own curiosity. We kind of pat ourselves on the back. Amazing. What man has achieved is brilliant. And then women are like, but what about us women? We also want to fucking be a part of the conversation. Oh, what humans have achieved? No, nah, it's not good enough. Like fucking, we need to change the vocabulary. We need to change the pronouns. We need to make it more inclusive. Like why the fuck are we doing all this? I think... When there's a sense of, oh, self-importance, all the, where was the, ooh, like, <laughs> I don't know. It's, uh, yeah, it's this, we create this value system, which we kind of create, then we kind of reward ourselves with, and then we fight amongst ourselves about, and then we change the value system saying, okay, now, now it's more level and more equal, and someone else feels left out, and someone else thinks that they've achieved more, and someone else dominate the system, someone else becomes the richest motherfucker, and it goes on and on and on. I mean, the arrogance with which, I mean, I suppose there is some sense of dominance that we are on this planet with, that we can wipe out any species, we can revive a new species, we can go dig up our own ancestors and say this tooth is from three million years ago and I'm going to take a little bit of saliva from this kind of fossilized piece of tooth and recreate a human being. I'm going to fuck with a goat and fuck a goat depending on which part of the world you're in. And they do those things where Dolly 
and her sister Molly. They were created from some kind of stem cell and they were made into what do you call them? Clones. And then they're like, yeah, someone's like, I'm going to make blonde Chinese babies. And it's just the, the, the arrogance is fucking epic. And then you have people going, you know what? I fucking hate my fellow human beings and I'm going to go save animals. And I mean, that's the kind of superiority you have to achieve to kind of say, you know what? This planet is under threat. I'm going to save it. It's been around for how long? Five billion years. How old are you? Fucking 200. And you go, I'm going to save it like a kid, like a kid, six, whatever. How old is she now? I don't know if she's aged. Maybe she's just carbon dated, right? Like Greta Thunberg goes, I'm going to save the planet. I'm going to fucking, nah. And people take her seriously. Like, wow, okay, like this, this planet, this ancient being is like, yeah, go on, girly. Go ahead and do what you think you must do. Yeah, I need saving from... But yeah, we, we there are people who go save, you know, uh, dolphins. They go save thing. They train monkeys. They sh- they go and save chimpanzees. They kind of and, and this is the kind of diversity of superiority and dominance we have. We have some people who will go and who will save blind kids like me. I'm not a blind kid, but I'm a blind man. I'm not even a blind man. I'm visually impaired. I'm in the middle or like a partially sighted person. P.S. P.S. So there are people going doing things like that, special needs teachers uh, helping other human beings. Then you have people going social workers helping other human beings. Then you have people who are uh, human traffickers who are fucking other human beings. Then you have people who are drug dealers or killing other human beings. Then you go in, across the realm. You have everything, right? It's like a great kind of bouquet of fucked upness and greatness and compassion and empathy and cruelty and hatred and love and hate. It all of it mixed into this. And then you have these people who are kind of saving animals. Then you have the people who are fucking animals. Then you have people who are not eating animals because they think it's cruel. Then you have people who are just hunting animals. It's mind-boggling. And then we apply the saying, no, it's the, the, the adventure, the journey that the soul must take before it transcends into the next passage of its time, into the final ultimate self-realization that every human soul or every soul will attain and everything that you see in the form of life is one version of what that soul has to experience and it has to go through that journey to finally be where it must at peace with itself and join the larger unity that is the consciousness that we all come from and go back to like waves from an ocean that we are born and die into. Yeah, all these are fucking words that we use. No one has ever told us in other ways, we've written our own books about it. We've created our own religions about it. We've created our own fucking thing that we can agree on, disagree on, fight amongst, fight within, celebrate amongst. And yeah, we just create a lot of noise. Gosh, we're a noisy bunch of bastards. Yeah. I could just set it up top and be done with all of the other stuff that led up to it. But that's my conclusion. That's my punchline. Anyway, speaking of punchlines, I've got a comedian on today's episode, Mr. Anirban Das Gupta. He's a friend. In fact, my last set of shows that I did in Delhi, God forbid, I go back there. But no, it was a lovely run of shows. It was in a place near, we stayed in Gurgaon and we traveled to a few venues across the greater, what's it called? The, man, I'm forgetting, ah, National Corridor, whatever, NCP, NCA, NCP, something, the... Basically, in that Gurgao Delhi area, we did a bunch of shows. I'm forgetting all these things. Does it even matter in the first place that I don't know what that corridor is called? No, it doesn't. It's just one of those things that is given importance because if by not knowing it, people in conversation like, you don't know what that is. It's a fucking Noida area. Who the fuck wants to know anyway? I did a bunch of shows with him. Uh, we had a bunch of shows, actually, amongst a few comedians. I think uh, 
there were a nice nice weekend of shows and anyway i want to catch up with anirban because it's been a while and there's some things that we discovered that we didn't have in common which you will find out over the course of the episode anirban has also done a bunch of gigs uh, post pandemic lockdown opening he's gone to australia he did the just for last festival in montreal we talk about that and how his writing process and his uh, approach to comedy has evolved over the past 2 3 years and how his uh, outlook on writing and how his experience uh, well directing and putting together web series for amazon has shaped his perspective on content and the industry and a whole lot more hey it's a bunch of friends not a bunch of friends it's a couple of friends chatting about a bunch of things and it's a couple of comedians talking about a bunch of other things and it's a couple of human beings talking about few more bunch of other things pretty much that and i am sure you'll enjoy it cuz anbran's a great guy and a fun guy you can catch him on wherever you catch him and follow him and check out his work he's got some work out there so go do that after this episode as always i appreciate you tuning in every week listening to this podcast thank you goodbye god bless take care of yourselves catch you on the other side ciao Mr. Anirban Bandas Gupta, how are you? <laughs> good, very good. Very happy to be speaking to you. I know, man. Three years to the day, three years to the month. I wouldn't say day, but uh, yeah. nice. It was a. It was actually quite a nice trip, you know, because we were what in that villa in Gurgaon. I think sort of you, Sumit also ended up crashing, uh, um, and then what we had Azim. Azim was there. Yeah. Uh, Sonali, but Sonali. Uh, it was a fun. Uh, one of those mini things that we kind. Of, I think uh, thanks to Manik, right? He yeah. kind of facilitated that entire thing and did a mini festival and uh, not festival of sorts, but we had a <laughs> staged. You know, yeah, it, it was like a festival, uh, like uh, you know that uh, self self produced festival, <laughs> which Some I think show. is the way forward. You, you know, I, I want to because you've uh, been back on stage and you've been quite active in uh, getting gigs and, uh, but I want to know what. Uh, because for me 2019 at that point it was all about um you know the the non primary aspect of stand up right which was yeah. i was a lot of stuck in the noise like how many gigs other people are doing and yeah, yeah, all yeah. this conversation of amazon prime netflix and you know i call it now the the 90% noise uh the 10% of course i mean i would rather be the 10, 90% which is most important of course is having fun doing gigs and enjoying other comedians conversation but i kind of appreciate that now but how is the past man 3 years been uh, when it comes to your uh, i wouldn't say trajectory but your experience and the, the the kind of your growing up as a as a person and as a comedian um so in 2019 when we last met uh, i was doing stand up but i was like kind of going through the motions at that point of time mm. uh, because uh, most of my focus was off source yeah. which was the series that i was making and uh, and that uh, took a lot out of me i i did not uh, realize how how much like work that would be like you know writing and show running uh, yeah. complete series and so uh, at that we point had you had just screened it for a few people at yes. the at that place we were staying at right yeah yeah at the farmhouse right. i think uh, yeah we screened a couple of episodes right uh, it was it was still in edit i, I think it, uh, it was september yeah it was it was almost done but there was uh, some things left Ah. but uh, uh, and i thought at that point you okay my work is done the show yeah. is shot it's edited but yeah. it wasn't actually because i uh, fell into two major uh, hurdles after that uh, there oh. was a issue with the focus groups 
where the focus group uh, you know gave us a like bad score and for that like you know uh, amazon wanted to change a few things which made no sense right so uh, i had to fight that battle and after that just before release we got a release date after a long time and uh, once we got the release date we also got a stay order from the uh, karnataka high court uh, oh. because somebody had filed a case uh, in bangalore that uh, this uh, show is copied from his script so then we had to fight that case it was oh, a crap. completely okay. flimsy so you say uh, you had to fight that case amazon fought it for you or you as the writers had to fight it no so it was amazon and my producers oml they okay. uh, it was a case uh, that they were fighting but i was also there because uh, you know as a key person of course so, of course but yeah. you don't have to take up that legal uh, i mean you have legal representation you don't have to yeah, go as an individual yeah. and sit in court right yeah okay. yeah 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 there were amazon and uh, oml lawyers handling it but okay. uh, it wasn't really moving and the urgency was so much like you know uh, for this kind of a situation where like you know crews are writing on this show and all of that yeah. so uh, we had we had a very small window to get it cleared so yeah. i actually uh, like <laughs> made many rounds of the karnataka high court that red building so this person who sued you or so called claimed that you've copied his script or her script was was, was uh, that a person a comedian was that a, an other no. sort of okay he was an independent uh, filmmaker and okay. uh, uh, there was a little bit of foul play in it as well which uh, uh, you know i i thought there was some foul play because uh, what he did was uh, like indian copyright laws are pretty clear that it has to be like a scene by scene replication yeah. for there to be a case uh, so what so he did not know our show because the show hadn't released yeah i was going to ask had, you the show is not public yet right how yeah, do you yeah ha, so he'd seen the trailer and from the trailer he figured out some themes of the show and then what he did was uh, i think this is what he did that he uh, replicated the first three shots of the trailer and the, those shots were easy to replicate in the sense that the first shot of the trailer was uh, gulshan devaya's character lying on the track the second uh, second uh, shot i don't remember it was like something uh, easy to replicate and third oh. shot yeah and so the you say he shot, looked at the trailer and then reverse engineered his own shots yeah yeah he reversed because his Dude, what a fucking script, idiot like <laughs> yeah his <laughs> I mean, script Uh, his script uh, this is what i think he told in court that his script was still like you know in progress so that way everyone's still... script is in progress right yeah. i can always look back and i mean something which is not out and kind of say my script is in i'm working i mean that's right exactly. so you're saying this uh think can be done and there is no protection against it there is no protection see like if it happens in bombay uh, like uh, i think uh, the judges over here have a little more idea of the copyright laws because bollywood is based here yeah. and uh, these kind of cases are very common like uh, people actually use these cases to extort money uh, yeah. this this is what uh, i found out at that point but uh, this particular judge uh, at that particular court wasn't aware of this like you know nitty gritties of copyright law so uh, you know this this guy took advantage of that and very very smartly like got a stay order and then like the next two days were holidays court holidays so like you know limited our response as well so uh, yeah and then eventually he only backed out it's such yeah. a thing that someone who i don't know the guy i don't know claim that uh, yeah. i i don't put any claims on his talent or lack of whatever but it's it it just sort of is an example of how anyone uh, like just like how they control someone on youtube yeah. even someone yeah. sitting in their boxes without any kind of idea of stand up or how a joke is written or the effort it takes considering trash you or trash me yeah. it's kind of a similar uh, place where this comes from right the sentiment of bringing someone down for the sake yes. of uh just you know so 
just because I can, I will. Yeah. You have yeah. some minimum kind of idea. You take someone else's thing and you kind of put, you know, you use something as basic as your smartphone and you just record these things and it looks similar. Say, and then you put a claim. Uh, yeah. It's, it's. I mean, it's the power at the same time, the curse of the internet, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like for this particular case, uh, like, you know, I spoke to this guy and uh, uh-huh. that, that was a weird uh, meeting. Like this is the guy uh, who basically like stopped our show in its tracks and like, yeah. now I'm like reasoning with him. So what I found out was uh, this guy uh, initially thought that, uh, you know, uh, like this is similar. Obviously, there is no way to like, you know, copy his thing because I don't even know him. But yeah. uh, when he first saw this trailer, uh, his thing was he panicked. Okay, he mm-hmm. thought that, okay, like this is something similar. Uh, it wasn't even similar, but I can, like, there were a couple of themes that are similar. Like, if you look at the whole story, then it would be maybe one thing out of 500 is same. So, uh, that way, so there are only so many stories in the world, right? Exactly, like, what makes exactly. it unique is you as the yeah. writer, director, slash. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, I like, so what, what, uh, according to me, what happened in this case was he panicked. Uh, mm. And he didn't know what to do. And others around him, like, you know, lawyers and all, they like saw an opportunity here. So of they course. were like, okay, like, <laughs> let's do this. Like, there could be some money and all. So when, mm. like, when he backed out, uh, he was like, you know, asking us for like, you know, things like, uh, I don't think I can talk about this. But uh, yeah, like, so eventually he told me that, uh, you know, like the first uh, reaction was uh, disappointment. Okay, somebody else is like doing this, which I wanted to do, and he, he's been working on it for some time. But then, what really like uh, caused problems for us is people around him taking this opportunity, like you know, yeah. this particular filmmaker, okay, like using him to basically like get Boost money from their him. agenda, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, and also like you know, uh, cause problems to Amazon and me. And now, I want to understand, you know, like the thing is, uh, because you know, this is of course escalated because of the larger parties involved and the larger yeah. sort of stakes yeah. involved. Yeah. But I'm just trying to think of what this represents in today's thing, right? Because everyone wants to be famous. Everyone wants uh, or rather is told that they can be the next big thing uh, yeah. by the social media platforms, by things going viral. And yeah. and everyone's kind of told that, you know, you have it and you're the best. And everyone thinks that they ha- their idea is the next big thing, right? Of course. And they're entitled yeah. to their opinions and their feelings. But yeah. it also kind of breeds this culture where it's instead of creating and I mean, while it's happening, of course, everyone's uploading YouTube videos, everyone's uploading it. But it, it almost feels like it also breeds the sense of if I can't do it, I'm going to bring the other person down. Yeah. You know? yeah. Or also the other thing is rush to the first place, right? Like if, if there's a topic out, there's this like I'm sure you've seen it in the comedy uh, uh, in, in, in comedians doing this. Like if. Uh, a new story drops, like say, you know, Queen Elizabeth, something. Yeah. Everyone has to rush to the first joke. And yeah. it almost feels yeah. like, you, you know, let's not take time and process this and have our own unique opinion. But the first comedian to the joke is the best comedian. Kind of that culture is kind of coming out, right? It is. It is definitely there. I think our internet, uh, like, you know, kind of pit, uh, like, you know, pits you against uh, everybody else. Mm. Because, uh, you know, the in, in, on the internet, uh, I feel that uh, all these things like, you know, likes and followers and all is like uh, internet currency. Right? Yeah, like, yeah, so yeah. Uh, imagine like, you know, if, if in society we were all going around with our bank balance like tattooed on our chest. <laughs> <laughs> then it's something That'd like that. That'd be the this. fastest tattoo ever you, <laughs> I would have got. <laughs> <laughs> so th- this is, uh, so then, then the society would change, right? Like then hi, hello, small talk would be different. Yeah. So we are living that world in the internet mm. and everybody is just like comparing each other uh, 
it's not healthy at all we all know this yeah but then it breeds like you no, know but i know you as a person who's more uh i mean of course you you have to have your footprint um yeah. on whatever platform that you choose and yeah. i think you know i think over the course of so called um years of experience as comedians i mean i feel the past 2 3 years have been tremendous sort of uh acceptance when it comes to some sense of maturity of what these yes. platforms are and they're just tools but yeah. i was caught in that entire sort of um the the trap or rather the 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 this this kind of noise for lack of a better word of the social media game or how yeah. to play it or what what not to do or what to do and comparing yourself to others but i want to understand from from your thing like um how instrumental was your social media footprint in uh getting this show uh pitched because of course you said your managers your your produce your production house at that point was oml and they of course have a really good network and a good machine in promoting shows and getting good good uh sort yeah. of um you know getting the shows sold but huh. just your experience with uh because you also do have a your special as a comedian on yeah. amazon yeah so what is that uh, experience uh, as an individual and as a person writing a show and huh. also the social media game maybe it's quite quite a broad topic but maybe um you can talk about how um that was for you and oh, that entire experience right. as a creator so uh, social media did not play a part uh, at that point so we okay. hadn't reached uh, you know that stage where everything was uh, being done through uh, social media numbers now we have so back in uh, 2017 when uh, my special got uh, commissioned and my uh, show got commissioned uh-huh. uh, it was mostly like uh, you know ajay ajay basically like you know uh, you know closed uh, all those deals and over mm. there uh, they were looking at uh, you know numbers and subscribers and all of that but i don't think that was maybe to like the uh, figure out uh, the amount to pay right but, right, uh, right. Uh, beyond that i don't think uh, you know it, w- it wasn't a make or break kind of a thing mm-hmm. whereas now i feel it is so when offsource was sold uh, i didn't even i didn't have to like you know pay attention to the noise or like you know pay attention to what my social media is doing i could just like focus on making the show but That's right nice. now yeah. yeah but right now when i'm pitching my other uh, shows or other films now yeah. i can kind of sense it that uh, you know uh, okay they are going to take you seriously only if you have a certain number of followers so i can i can sense it now and you know i was just listening to an interview with cat uh, williams and uh, he was on one of these radio shows in atlanta mm-hmm. so we, he was talking exactly about this right uh, how I think he's apparently put out the most number of specials out there. I think he's put out nine film yeah, specials, yeah, yeah. which he owns all of them. Yeah. And he just talks about the mechanics of why a special is taken up and how certain people are celebrated and how every comedian uh, specifically wants the big deal from the likes of Netflix and Disney, Hotstar or HBO, whoever the platform is, right? They think that that's the validation they need. When a, when you look back, some of these comedians are like, you know, I wish I hadn't given my special up. So there's this entire game of, you know keeping your ip versus getting onto these big platforms for the big deals and if you're not sort of well versed in the entire scheme of these things yeah. and how contracts work it's a very tempting world you know like i'm sure people came up to you and, and said you know man what an amazing thing your show's been commissioned by amazon how much did you get paid and but once you're immersed in that world and i had a glimpse of these contracts when i had my show with spotify right 
And uh-huh. it's literally like when you're playing against these big companies, you're you, you're never going to win as an artist, yeah. because yeah. their contracts, their legal teams are so full, so so sort of robust yeah. that you just basically have to suck it up and take it. I mean, if your numbers on social media are good, then obviously your numbers, financial numbers are bigger. But yeah. still, it's not that much compared to the machine, which is got that much billions more. So it, it's quite an interesting thing because it at the end of the end of the day, you might be you know, in your 20s and you're so in awe of it. But I want to understand how the, in being on the other side of it, being commissioned, working on, with, with all these things. And of course, if you can't talk about certain things, you can obviously avoid it. But how was that um, being inside the whole process of uh, working with quite a large budget, quite with quite a large team, all that process? Yeah. I, I think I lucked out uh, uh, with the fact that uh, ours was a show that uh, Amazon didn't give a fuck about. <laughs> so, <laughs> that helps. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. The, I, I got complete freedom. Uh, like the show that is, is currently on air is uh-huh. uh, exactly the show I wanted to make, which nobody oh, can say, uh, like, you know, in today's times where, like, you know, legal gets involved, SMP yeah. gets involved, where, like, five MBAs sitting there for no reason. <laughs> they have to like you know give some in- inputs so yeah. i actually lucked out uh, uh, so i'll tell you uh, when when we were doing pre production mm. for offsource we were about to shoot in a couple of months uh, so we had taken up a co working space in andheri yeah. and uh, we were working out of uh, like two rooms that we had booked and the room next to us was uh, roof segal uh, who's the creator of little things on netflix mm. so he was uh, running a writing room i think at that time uh, it was for season 2 uh, and, uh, is this we, that show that was on YouTube and then made it yes, on Netflix? Yes, yes, yes. I think yes. it's, uh, I, I, I forget which production house. Dice Media. Dice Media. Now, I remember yeah. someone else. Uh, Pocket Aces. Yes, yes, that's the yes. company. Yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah. right, right, right. Okay, right. now that so, uh, rings a bell. Yeah, yes. Yeah, so so uh, we, we would like, you know, uh, hang out uh, like either during lunch or like at the end of the day. Yeah. And uh, this was like a discussion that we had that... Uh, so he was writing for uh, you know uh, an OTT it was commissioned already yeah. and every week uh, like there were deadlines so every week uh, you know you had to send stuff to the platform the platform would get uh, like get back with their views and uh, it would like you know so they had to work according to you know this process which is a nightmare to be honest yeah. because if you're just thinking about a Friday deadline then when are you really writing or when are you like seeing the whole picture together yeah, writing yeah. can't be done uh, in such an objective way where like you just know that okay every friday you'll have something there could be a friday where you have nothing but uh, that also makes you templatize your show exactly. a lot right yeah, yeah yeah so you're like then looking at the approvals rather than looking at excellence so mm. uh, uh, and i and and he could see uh, us going about things there's no <laughs> interference from the platform yeah. and uh, that was only because i was wasn't uh, an amazon original it was uh, ah. on uh, Amazon, but uh, it was a licensed uh, deal, much like how our specials were sold. So, yeah. uh, and uh, when my show was being done, it was like towards the end of that run when comics were making shows. So initially, comics were making shows uh, for Amazon because Amazon had just launched and they wanted mm. more shows in the like bank. But uh, by the time Source was coming out, they had big like originals also like you know coming out which weren't ready when like you know say Anubhav made the show or when Viswa made the first season of Lakhomeric. So uh, mm-hmm. by the time like you know our show was being made, uh, they were busy with all the bigger shows, Inside Edge, Mirzapur, you know Patalok, right. all these things. 
so uh, they were like you know th- these shows were like maybe 10 to 20 times more budget than ours mm. so they really didn't care i uh, i sent them the scripts i got no feedback which is just <laughs> a complete like dream scenario yeah uh, the problem happened after the show was ready and then the focus group things like you know yeah. uh, so that was so i would still take that although like that also uh, had the risk of like you know ruining the show because they were like toying with the start of the show which like changes everything but it's not like as much the as they can meddle with when it's in the pre shooting stage right then they can really come in chop the script axe a lot of things yeah, out yeah. That, right? then it's a nightmare because then like you know you need uh, complete like freedom to uh, like write like yeah. you know if somebody is on your head then you're definitely like client servicing but not writing yeah, absolutely so, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah but uh, yeah. over here but at the same time uh, the focus group issue also has the power to completely ruin the show much like how you know pre scripting interference can ruin a show Mm. uh because over here uh, the damage is equal if not bigger because the show is ready and uh, they are saying that like you know change the first 10 minutes that lit- that literally changes the whole show shit so yeah yeah, yeah. so this was uh, an equally uh, dangerous situation but i would at least take that in the sense that uh, i got my cut in the end so like nice. if i didn't get nice. my cut in the end then it would be like uh, i wouldn't even talk about offsource because then that that yeah, would yeah. be a show that i didn't make Somebody you made else. it more for a, yeah for the, yeah. no but yeah. how how was it takes after all that it's it's out there it, it so was it a it's a web series and did it go into a second run no no it didn't it didn't okay. i and honestly like uh, i also don't want to make a, a sequel to it because i don't have a story like right, i would right. i would make it if i have a story <laughs> so yeah. uh, and i kind of knew that uh, this is not going to have a second uh, season because like these comics making shows licensing it to amazon this like run is over like you know yeah. the purpose is met so yeah. i uh, right from day one when we were like writing the show <coughs> uh, the brief in the writing room was that we have to close the show and not right. uh, like write it in a way that we are not getting a second season so we are quite happy with uh, we how we close the show because yeah. in our minds it's a mini series uh and so uh, yeah, quick can you quickly on that point wh- why is uh, is i mean is it a must so except uh, of course when the more you write the more seasons you have the more money you also get yeah. but um wh- i mean is there a need to go into multiple seasons or is that a the writer or the creator's uh, kind of decision no it is it is actually a business call i feel more than mm. uh, writers and creators because uh, when you pitch a show to an ott Yeah. Uh, this comes up in the first meeting itself you know how many seasons because mm. from a business point of view they would be looking at okay if we invest this are we investing it in a one off or are we investing this over 5 years yeah, with like okay, lot of okay. scope so sometimes it, it, it hinders uh, my pitches like you know if i have a really good story and uh, like i want to pitch it but then i have to also figure out okay what do i have to say to these questions like you know how many yeah. seasons and all if i say one season that all platforms do a few limited series yeah. but uh, it's very few like you know maybe one or two in an entire year so okay. it's uh, so it's very tough to get into that list uh, so the other option that i kind of do is uh, then i pitch it as a film which ah, right. uh, Uh, which is like a way around it but also sometimes you need those natural breaks that an episodic uh, you know show gives you yeah but yeah, yeah. Uh, in all my pitches i have noticed that you know it's a it's it's a little bit of a step back 
if uh, if you say that it's just one season yeah it's big for me you know i'm sitting in bangalore and i've never sort of uh, been managed by a big agency or um not for lack of trying but it's, people are like oh no you're in bangalore just stay, just just stay there you're happy there and yes. it's it's interesting to know how yeah i think you have to market yourself but at the same time the entire game of playing to these people's um you know playing to getting that investment is such a big game and if you get immersed in that as an artist you really get fucked in some way right because you're overwhelmed by the whole process but Yeah. from when you put the show out um literally in a few months after that i think because of people being locked down at home there i think the likes of amazon netflix the ott platform yeah. they sort of went into a feeding frenzy of buying content right just yeah. just sort of piling on more and more but what is your um i think as an artist how did you deal with as a writer as a comedian how did you deal with those days um when you had to be on online shows Mm. and also maybe how have uh, how has the sort of landscape changed with these platforms from then because i i read about these developments right with subscribers falling off and yeah. subscribers adding on another platform but because you are in the sort of bombay or in the sort of thick of things and you have had inside experience with these conversations mm. what is your as an individual and also as a sort of observer how have things sort of changed pre and now post uh, pandemic and lockdown uh, regarding uh, you know the ott landscape uh, uh, with regards to comedy uh, it's over like they are not looking at comedy at all mm. uh, i i've been uh, i've been actually pitching uh, I, i wanted to pitch a game show with right. comics and uh, the first thing they told me is like just remove comics first and then we will entertain this pitch so uh, it's that bad like that honeymoon where like you know uh, specials every month and like you know uh, comics making shows uh, that that is uh, well and truly over mm. uh, they don't need comics anymore comics also like you know have they have their own like you know uh, distributions going so uh, definitely there is no appetite for comedy mm. uh, from the ott's point of view right uh, personally is, i is that a is that a feedback they've got from their audience or is it just because they kind of overdid it and now they need a lull before they I, kind of balance out i think they overdid it mm. uh, 100% they overdid it and uh, now the numbers don't add up mm. for them so now they would rather like go to the you know conventional bollywood business houses yeah, and, yeah, like right. know, uh, go about fabulous lives of bollywood yeah, lives yeah, my favorite lives. shows <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 all of those so like yeah i do feel comedy benefited from the fact that uh, all these shows like you know whether it's a documentary series or mm-hmm. whether it's a reality show or a full fledged fiction show you know these things take time to uh, like you know you need time to write it you need time to uh, plan it shoot yeah. it edit it and all of that and in 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 this situation where these guys were so so much uh, hungry for content yeah uh, com- uh, comedy was uh, like a, something that was just there it was based in bombay everybody was here and uh, you know to produce a special you like literally can do it in a month yeah. so you know I, i think we benefited from that and yeah. obviously because <coughs> we overdid it uh probably didn't take it that seriously now it's over <laughs> so i i, yeah, I you know think... that strange thing like when i did recorded my special in 2020 yeah. i of course you know I, i in hindsight i should have just gone for an audio special right because i could have yeah. spent even like half what i spent on really high end 
audio engineers yeah. and I would have been happier because I would have been more natural. I'm not worried yeah. about these camera angles. People are like, are you using a Red Dragon Phantom? I'm like, dude, it doesn't really matter like if the camera has more sort of retina display than me, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I was so self-conscious about my hands and this. I'm like, is this what I need? But, you know, I've fortunately grown up since. And the problem is after that, I realized the pitching game is an entire different sort of yes. beast you have to tackle, you know? Yes. So I reached out to the likes of the big companies in Bombay and and after a point, I'm just like, you know what, you need a trailer, you need four trailers, all this. And then I realized, man, um, so that was when, you know, 2020, April, May, people, and someone actually is like, can we cut five minutes out of your special and sell it to Amazon? And I'm like, no, you know, why would I? Because it's more than anything, it just takes all that work uh, and, and that expression of that show, whatever, it may not be the best special I've written, but it came out in an entire piece and I wanted yeah, that yeah, to be yeah. appearing as a piece. It might not, uh, it's on YouTube and I'm happy it's there, but it was a really big learning. And in that point, in, at that point in time, I was like, shit, man, does it mean I'm a failure as a comedian? I haven't, like the one special, it hasn't gone anywhere on YouTube. But I'm so glad um, because that was sort of the beginning for me um, as a comedian who's been at it for, at that point, almost 11 years. Mm. I almost was like, you know what, dude? This is where you stop, and now maybe we can look in a couple of years to restart fresh. Yeah. And it was a scary move, like because I was like, "Shit, that means everything I've done till now has gone, and I'm no longer funny. I'm no longer uh, relevant." But it it was great because I literally could sort of you know throw off that mantle of all those things which I applied on myself and say, "Fuck it, you know what? Let the lockdown happen." Because if there's no more shows, and that yeah. after the 2021, I was like, "Nothing's changed. You know, it's yeah. okay. Uh, maybe I've lost." 10 followers well now it's 10 less it doesn't matter and yeah. it, there's no urgency to restart uh, so i wanted to get your thoughts what happened to you at that point when you were told lockdown sit at home you can't do shows um so what, what was your thought because i know you're quite you love getting on stage yeah, but at the same yeah. time you love sitting at home writing and just chilling yeah. as well <laughs> i uh, i really uh, shouldn't say this but i enjoyed Lockdown. <laughs> I figured you're one of the people who might like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I'll, uh, so I, I needed a break. I needed mm. a break and I was not able to figure out how, how to like take that break. Afsos uh, released in February. I was right. fighting the case till like uh, January end. And uh, February Afsos came out. And then March I was supposed to go to Australia uh, for MICF. And obviously mm. I wanted to go, uh, but I was really burnt out as well. So I, one part of me was like, okay, I, I'm going to go there, yeah. but uh, I won't be at my best. Like, you know, I'll be mm. like still going through the motions. This uh, was that Asian invasion thing you were telling me about, right? Yeah, the, th th this was, no, the Asian thing I did the year before, 2019. Oh, okay. So this ah. was the uh, part of the MICF lineup. The Yeah, this, this was also some Indian show only uh, right. that they had programmed uh, that year. Uh -huh. And I was uh, one of the comics on it. And uh, uh, nice. so I was uh, like, I was looking forward, but at the same time, you know, uh, you know, I had my doubts about like, because that's a big effort, like going there for a month, doing mm. stand up for like, you know, mostly alien audiences. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I felt that, uh, you know, I, I could do, do better if I just like, you know, maybe stay at home for a month, yeah. recharge myself. Yeah. And then the lockdown happened. So I didn't have a choice to make and everything got cancelled. And uh, so for the first few months of the lockdown, I had no agenda. I uh, just wanted to be home and do nothing, like uh, just out of a very exhausting experience of Afsos. So I didn't. And you mind. spent it in Bombay, right? You spent the uh, lockdown. Yeah, in Bombay. Okay. I was in Bombay, and uh, and I got into chess uh, some, via Samay. 
I got into right. che- uh, chess uh, pretty early in the lockdown, and 2020. Uh, if I have to describe 2020, it's chess. Okay, I did nothing. I just played like Queen's you know, Gambit. Is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I haven't I read actually. The book. Se- oh, you read <laughs> the book? Oh, I, yeah. I, I haven't. I haven't uh, seen the show as well. Right. But uh, but I got so hooked into chess. Uh, uh, Samay, Vaibhav, Biswa, like it became a thing. Like we would like you know. Uh, share videos play against each other play mm. tournaments like you know or like you know just be uh, playing for fun nice uh, it was uh, and chess is an addiction it clearly mm. is like you know uh, no other sports is that, that addictive than chess like yeah. i would find myself even if i have a call in 5 minutes i'd try to squeeze in a 3 minute game like you know <laughs> so, was, so you did, did you do like uh, reg- conventional chess or was it speed chess uh it was mostly like speed chess uh, okay. online chess Uh, with time controls okay uh, but uh, then wherever when i would like sometimes hang out at home and play like classical chess with no time frame that would go on like for 2 hours that that match would go on nice. but uh, mostly it's like time yeah time chess because online uh, it's difficult to play uh, classical okay. Uh, okay so 2020 was just spent there then maybe like uh, towards the end when things were starting to open up then i started thinking about comedy a little bit obviously mm. like business got affected like you know uh, so many like uh, zoom shows only was the only source of income at that point yeah, yeah and yeah. Uh, i i did i did uh, quite a few of those uh, and then i uh, like when when the lock i i really did not know uh, what my next show is like in stand up like i had bunch of stuff from 2019 2020 but uh, that wasn't a special like that wasn't an hour i was happy about so uh, towards the end of 2020 i started to like you know think about uh, my next hour write some jokes uh, test it out at that comedy club over there hmm. but then again like uh, it stopped right like it was stop start like it opened yeah. for two months then again it would lock down so 2020 uh, was chess in 2021 i spent because my wife was pregnant so oh uh, lovely okay yeah so like are you a father now Yes, I am a father now. Ah, oh, so am I. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Yes. Oh, I, wow. <laughs> yeah. How old is your little one? This is great way to find out in the middle of podcast recording. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, how old is your um, daughter? One, one. Oh, wow. Just turned she's one. Yeah. Fantastic, man. Uh, my, uh, I have a daughter as well. She's four months. Oh wow! Oh, this is crazy, crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Congratulations! And this is the best part. That's why I, I hit record immediately because I didn't <laughs> want to like discuss our lives bef- uh, off air. So, congratulations, man! I'm so glad yeah, to yeah. hear this. Yeah. So like, uh, yeah. So 2020, 2021, my wife had a very complicated preg pregnancy. She had to be on bed rest, and Ouch, at that okay. same time, uh, uh, the second wave was on, and then like soon after the third wave. So I. Uh, stopped going out of the house because just couldn't risk anything yeah uh, because you don't want to bring anything back home no right yeah yeah, yeah. so you so, so your wife delivered in 21 uh in 21 yeah okay so yeah so it means september almost around september august right? yeah august oh that, that that was a tough time to be pregnant i mean uh, yeah. it was very sort of nervous right like people yeah. getting covid and it was that point i think it was the delta variant yeah yeah that was, was yeah. yeah that the second wave was like uh, pretty horrific like you know all the things that uh, i was seeing on social media yeah uh, was very scary and on top of that uh, my wife swati she had a complicated pregnancy so we had to like go to the hospital once in a while there was a surgery so we were oh, very shit. very scared about like you know uh, catching everything it turned out uh, okay in the sense that uh, i stayed at home 
and uh, we just like would watch like you know sitcom after sitcom like we'd yeah, start yeah. watching sitcoms in the morning then in, the you know, in some in some way you have to almost isolate yourself because even if yes. like say swati is already uh, she was already like nervous there was complications yeah. which she has to be aware of she's physically feeling obviously the things that women feel when they're pregnant but yeah. added fear added nervousness and in when you're stuck in the house is two of you i'm sure anyway i'm sure um you know tempers emotions would go up and down but when you are then subjecting yourself to all this horrific news you're hearing man you in some way want to just close off the world and just watch happy stuff right yeah yeah that's exactly what we were doing we were like just yeah. watching uh, rewatching like the uh, sitcoms like big bang theory and like seinfeld and friends yeah friends and, man <laughs> friends yeah. is timeless you know it's yeah, amazing yeah 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 we would yeah. like just watch like uh, we would like do marathon sessions like we would start watching uh, at 11 in the morning after waking <laughs> up and then would till watch till like Say seven thirty when the IPL would start, which is another sitcom we watch. Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so so that's how I spent my lockdown and uh, both the lockdowns, twenty twenty and twenty twenty one. And uh, when things finally opened up, I really felt good. Like I felt fresher. I had new ideas. In these two years, I had uh, done uh, some writing. Like you know, I had uh, done some writing for like shows that I want to make uh, later mm. on. So uh, yeah, I I felt okay. I felt nice. uh, uh, like much fresher than when I entered into. Did you did you feel um, this sense of loss? Uh, when I mean loss, not with um, anything else, but with this sense of of a certain um, because you know, like when you're a comedian, you really ride on that momentum, right? From gig to gig, um, you feel tighter, you feel more crisp, you feel like you're riding that wave of. doing well at shows right mm-hmm. and when there's a big break you feel rusty you feel like yeah. oh, oh crap like and you know you have you heard all these podcasts and these sayings where like you're the, you're only as good as your last show or yeah. um yeah. do you feel like at some point you you panicked going oh shit the comedian anirban is no longer there or did you say you know fuck it let's see what happens yeah i i don't think uh, no i i did not panic i did huh. not panic i was actually like i took this whole thing uh, in my stride uh, probably because of circumstances because i was just uh, like i did not have much momentum going in like you know i was like okay. doing uh, anyway like you know how i was uh, attending uh, stand up uh, before the lockdown was already very stop start yeah. like you know i would i would say like you know i would go to delhi with you guys stay in a farmhouse do stand up for like you know uh, a weekend yeah so maybe i'll do stand up in september then october i would completely be off Nice. for like you know to okay. uh, handle some obstacles or fire fight some issue right. uh, then again i would like probably do a few shows in november then december again i would be off so i was already in a, not in a good uh, zone like you know i was the not flow, right, right. Uh, the flow wasn't there yeah. so <clears throat> i would like plow uh, like power through shows and uh, there there's this one show uh, review that i got which was a little uh, surreal like i know that i am going through this i am going through motions but the audience doesn't know right like yeah. the audience is not supposed to know yeah uh, and uh, you know if you are killing in a show then the audience also will not get to know and i had enough material to kill yeah uh, but uh, then there's this one show i did at tcc bangalore yeah. and uh, then i got a message on my instagram and it was an okay show it wasn't my one of my best shows but it wasn't bad either it was like yeah. clean throughout i like you know that room with 200 people you know it's like difficult to you know not do well yeah. but this one particular audience member uh, this person wrote on my instagram a big like a full paragraph where he said i remember this that anirban there's something going on with anirban behind the scenes 
because i could i caught him just staring into the void at many <laughs> at many points of the show just staring at the back of the room into the void <laughs> his eyes not knowing what is going on so i was like wow that guy's like, that does i mean that guy's like a long lost lover or something who's reading your <laughs> your body language i <laughs> think oh man he can then i was like i was i was mindful of this in the next few shows you guys yeah. shouldn't look at the void i know exactly what he's talking about because yeah. i do you kind of are yeah. an autopilot right you're just yeah, doing yeah. yeah yeah exactly i was like when, when i read that i'm like this is 100% accurate i yeah. was actually staring into the void <laughs> you know you don't see anything yeah. like beyond the point and uh, probably i was thinking what what's the next joke or maybe i was not even thinking that uh, yeah but 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 he caught on to it so i was going in through that kind of a phase when it comes to stand up so i uh, so you didn't really have that regret of things closing down because anyway you're like yeah another yes, month another yes. month doesn't matter right right yeah yeah i i needed i needed uh, some uh, like you know break like some like it ha- happened to be a forced break but uh, uh, it fulfilled my purpose that i needed like you know to go away just to like you know see it more clearly so now after mm-hmm. like uh, lockdown i really enjoy uh, <clears throat> really enjoying stand up this year has been uh, like very fulfilling like i i did a lot of like these shows i went to uh, just for laughs and, yes uh, i want to ask you about that but before that <coughs> i want to just understand one thing uh, because i remember the days when you were still in calcutta and yeah. wherever when you would travel across the country like uh, uh like a very sweet couple like every <laughs> yeah. show you guys would uh, you guys would come and do it together you would um, you know pitch yourself as a duo right so that yeah, way you yeah, both yeah. would kind of can kind of take a room up on your own and you would have like an hour plus between the two of you and i i remember like for us at that point it was sanjay praveen and me doing yes. a similar kind of thing um to kind of just get out there do more shows and we would take up everything i'm talking about 2011 2012 2013 like any show we would do yeah. uh, any city we would do we would just go and it was fun it was really really uh difficult at the points because uh you kind of are so caught up in like caught up in the idea of material and conversation mm-hmm. but it was a great experience and i i, I wouldn't you know replace it with anything yeah. but you know fast forward 10 years of obviously the landscape the 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 number of comedians the languages the competition whatever you want to call it has changed yeah so how uh, and now you you just mentioned this whole idea of, you're cool to let go for a few months you're okay you're not kind of being like oh my god stage time stage time and because as eager comedians we always hear the likes of joe rogans and the likes yeah. of dave chappelle and the likes of these podcasts where it's like stage time kill murder yeah. 10 yeah. rooms a night 15 open mic specials every year this that you know yeah. uh uh how how are you now um you know with all these years under the belt and what is your approach i mean you you spoke about the lockdown and how you entered it and exited it but what is your now as a as a comedian but also as a father you've had these many years as a person you've changed and grown or whatever's happened mm-hmm. what is your or let me rephrase that how do you use comedy and how do you view comedy now at this point in your life uh i uh, i try to use comedy uh, to feel good mm. uh that's uh, that's something that uh, you know i actively try so uh, like uh, there are a lot of times when i uh, do spots without uh, really like you know no new joke uh, or not building for anything just just go and do like a strong 10 kill feel good and come back nice uh, i think this was one feeling that i missed during the lockdown mm. uh, which is uh, 
this this instant validation this like that comedy gives us yeah. which i kind of tried to find through chess okay mm-hmm. which and it's very similar like you know and honestly i i at one point i felt that chess is giving me the same high that That's comedy awesome. gives me Yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, so that that is one thing. Obviously, like comedy is important uh, to pay the bills as well. So I am I am uh, I am mindful of that. So there yeah. will be like you know sometimes uh, some things I take up just for money if it's like a short term thing. Uh, yeah, of so, course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that 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 would be uh, that would be the second like you know layer of like what comedy is. But uh, in, like uh, essentially, I want comedy. I want to do comedy to feel good about myself. because that's something which now is uh, in question right like when you hear at least in the echo chamber of of entertainment and comedy it's this whole thing of cancel culture woke yeah. culture and political correctness and everyone's like saying stuff just to get a reaction or saying stuff because they're like comedy should leave a message it's a movement etc etc or you see the reactions like like screw these people i'm going to say whatever the hell i want or then you have people going and being like oh i'm going to be dark and get a for the sake of being dark comedian or a yeah. white black or yeah. gay or straight or representing minority issues or whatever like like throw the finger punching up all these things i'm sure you've heard uh-huh. in some sense but i really like that because it's it's something which is so refreshing to hear that i just want to make people laugh and feel good uh, as a result because um we end up taking ourselves too seriously in the beginning right and i was doing that as well like you calculate jokes per minute or you calculate like is that joke hard enough or is it layered enough all these stupid things but i just that i'm glad that that's something you're feeling now yeah um, yeah i do like uh, like this thing about like making people laugh is probably not that uh, important like in my head like obviously it's a like uh, it's a result of like mm. you know uh, doing comedy that people are going to laugh but yeah. uh, i like you know uh, <laughs> treated in a very selfish uh, way like you know yeah. instead of like being given i'm like taking yeah, like yeah, okay yeah. you guys come give <laughs> me this uh, like you know feeling and yeah. then i'll go home and then i won't have to get high because this is the <laughs> high <laughs> so uh, yeah and nice. i i think like uh, like you were saying uh, you know initially like uh, comedy was very different how we approach comedy me and webber we used to like you know just uh, go up on stage wherever we would get an opportunity yeah. uh, right now uh, yeah obviously then it changed into like you know then we started doing hours and then like you know then we kind of like stopped seeing each other in shows which is very un- like uh, difficult to think at one point we probably did like 200 shows together and then there yeah. came a point where like uh, we are doing our own things to now uh, i feel uh, our scene has become very solo driven obviously uh, mm. over the past few years uh, we don't really get to do the clc weekend lineups like you know that that used to be a place where everybody would ha- like you know hang out uh, but that was uh, so much fun uh, because of the kind of situation backstage right yeah, yeah yeah we would and we would go out like i remember like the group of us whoever they were like whether it was um even if they were the lineup or off the lineup people would meet and we would go out people post show yeah yeah, yeah 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 it was really nice yeah, yeah green room used to be a thing right yeah. now it's all solo solo but right uh, currently in bombay there's a very nice thing doing uh, where uh, both tcc and habitat uh, they have like started uh, late night shows and they mm. do it throughout the week and uh, those are all lineup shows oh, uh, it's okay. uh, it's not like a huge deal uh, like these are uh, small uh, like clubs small rooms but uh, i really get a lot of satisfaction in doing these rooms uh, you are like uh, 
you are on a very good lineup like on some days you are following upmanyu some days you are following biswa the mm. crowd is good they have come for comedy like these these people like this crowd comes for uh, uh, comedy because there's nobody on the poster now oh, they figured out that if you go to tcc biswa might pop in or if you go to habitat like uh, samay might pop in or abhishek might pop in mm. but uh, but essentially they are uh, buying tickets without seeing a for the night for the nice. night and these late night shows are so so loud so good like they are drunk crowds is all all kinds of people there some like you know parents who have like come keeping their kids with the babysitter or grandparents nice. so late uh, as in how late because i mean uh, so uh, on fridays and saturdays uh, uh, tcc has a 11:30 show that oh, goes late. on till 1 okay and okay. Uh, habitat has a 12 am show that also okay. goes on till 1 1:30 so this happens in the week Again, but huh. rest of the week there are ten o'clock shows. That also like sometimes like you know spills over almost to midnight. So that's uh, pretty cool that it's yeah. it's become a thing, right? That's really nice. Yeah, I I actually enjoy this. Uh, like this this had a big role in me again starting to like get get back into the flow of stand up. Mm. Uh, I I used to basically leave the house, go do the TCC late nights. Uh, it helps the timing helps also because the baby sleeps by then. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, my role uh, is like pretty like you know limited after that. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, th- this this was actually a big like uh, I was actually worried about like you know uh, all these venues shutting during the lockdown, but these guys yeah. have somehow like managed. I'm so glad that they've they're able to yeah. they were able to sustain. So, so you you uh, with um, with your baby now and uh, because Bombay is not. like technically home right so did you yeah. and your wife manage alone uh yeah we managed during the pregnancy obviously like we were uh, alone and yeah. even uh, uh after after she was born uh, then we went to pune for 3 months uh, that's uh, your wife, where your wife's from ha uh, my wife's okay. house okay and okay. Uh, yeah we needed some help uh, and yeah then, i was going to ask because you're doing all this i just wanted to understand how you have a situation yeah yeah can... so we moved uh, base for 3 months then we came back after uh, the baby turned 3 we came back to bombay and then we managed alone for a few months mm. and uh, then it was becoming a little difficult uh, yeah i was going to say it's hard <laughs> <laughs> it was like uh, quite, quite something then like you know when i would go out then uh, her parents would have to come in from pune so it was mm. we, like it was impossible to plan anything and we were in a one bhk so there was no scope for like you know parents staying there also right. they had to come and go so it was like you know if i would go to delhi they would come and replace me and then when Shit. i would come then they would go yeah. so it was happening like that so now then we moved into a bigger place we moved into a two bhk and now uh, the, in- the in-laws they stay for quite some time sometimes they like will go away for maybe a month that month we will okay. be alone okay. uh, but then the next two months they'll be around so yeah it's we it's like they are they are the <laughs> supporting actors in this so that's great man because the thing is that, yeah it's difficult right like you're uh if you're traveling for gigs and and you just went to canada and um, it, yeah. it it's it's nice to know that your wife and daughter are in you know safe yeah, because yeah. otherwise you're already like anxious and we anticipate as comedians and not you know ha- having one more thing to worry about is quite yeah. quite exhausting yeah But, it actually uh, happened because uh, before uh, canada i went to australia for a month Oh, so and, that happened uh, this year. The this one year, year. okay, yeah, lovely. yeah, okay. that happened. But it was a different. Was not an India show. It was uh, the road show. So I did the road show basically after the festival. They hit the hit the countryside. And oh right, shows. so that's where you go across the right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I got that gig, that's when we decided. Okay, okay, like uh, if I go to a Delhi or a Bangalore or a Kolkata, I can come back the next day. Yeah. But this is like a one month thing. 
so now we need to like change a lot so you're already thinking of like moving to a 2 bhk yeah. so that like you know this gig uh, the confirmation of this gig like uh, hasn't the whole process right so yeah i mean that's that's pretty interesting right you, you said you entered the lockdown burnt out yeah. and then you exit it with uh, all these changes in your life right you have yeah. a child yeah. your um, your shows up there on amazon and you've kind of processed all these things and now you're like ready to go and you immediately go to sort of these small towns across australia which of course was so protected and in fact became more um sort of looking within over the course of the lockdown right their borders yeah. became much more strict yeah. and so yeah. how is that for both you as a performer who's kind of now thrown into this uh action or rather this environment which has become a little bit more um sort of australia centric uh, and also how is the audience kind of meeting this uh lineup of comedians who are international uh i was the only international act Uh, on, oh, uh, even on better! Le- yeah, it was great. Actually, this month yeah. uh, probably the most enjoyable stand-up month of my life. Nice. Um, I uh, like you know, it, it's like you can't really compare different experiences. But I enjoyed Australia more than Canada uh, because Canada was a different kind of a gig. Mm. Uh, this was uh, this was just uh, just stand-up. Like uh, uh, there were four Australian comics and me. Right. Uh, and uh, we went to 14 towns uh, oh nice it was it was a road trip to suvs we would like you know uh, just like leave in the morning reach in the afternoon uh, hang out for a day then do the show the next day um, we had okay. breaks uh, so it was uh, uh, it was great like i felt uh, so good to be out of india yeah uh, uh, it was like you know i don't have to like uh, worry about like you know like in india i like you know get kind of stuck in the news and what's happening politics and all of that i was yeah. like okay this is this is like a complete cleansing kind of a month and yeah. uh, the only focus was stand up uh, every every uh, every day I, i would just think about okay what will i do because like i would not think about uh, stand up that, that much in india mm. if i have a show at tcc in the evening i would yeah. just show up Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I would probably not even uh, think about the show for even a second the entire day. But even over in Australia, because it was a completely alien environment, the audience has no idea who I am. Uh, I think in these fourteen towns, except Perth and Mandurah, in in twelve shows, there were no Indians in the audience as well. It was completely Ooh, okay. like you know, uh, <laughs> like alien, and I was going yeah. in cold with no context. And your and references I, as well. You have no idea of those towns and what they yeah, are kind of yeah. represent and the people, right? Yeah. Yeah, but I I uh, enjoyed like uh, uh, the whole process of thinking about stand up because uh, yeah. I probably haven't done it for like five six years. Okay, okay. Today, yeah. tonight I have I can start with this. Tonight I'm doing yeah, this yeah. town, so I'll start with this. This like has become second nature in India. Like you know, if I'm in Bangalore, I know what to do. Like if I'm in Calcutta, I know what yeah. to do. over here it felt like a challenge so even and i was doing well in these shows and nice. yet i was uh, worried about the next show so i was killing hard and still thinking ki tomorrow i can bomb hard as well because it's so new there is nothing in common uh, and that makes there, you a stronger comedian right because yeah. you're not taking it for granted right yes uh, yes 
if you get lazy in that environment saying yeah the next five days and i think at some point at comedy stores like and then laugh factory we it made us a little bit complacent at some points i'm not saying totally. all yeah. the time but we would sort of get spoiled because the crowds were so good yeah and they all were similar at some point right because yeah. they would all be okay english-speaking indians or whatever yeah. the framework but this is an amazing learning because you're you don't know what the next town has to bring yeah they're the only common things are australians but yeah <laughs> yeah and then they were telling me stuff like you know this is a mining town only drunkards come over here and they were oh, telling shit. me this is like there's one town we did uh, that had a population of 1500 that's the population of the whole town shit, so that's like, like you're building in bombay dude yeah yeah 100% <laughs> my building is more people i use this i use this uh, in, in that show oh, nice. so uh, it was it was nice to be like kept on my toes uh, you know in a way and also like when you're touring with like four people and i knew one of them i knew the tour manager but like you know met them like three four years back and yeah. like not really in daily contact with them so i felt it was important to do well in the shows because yeah. i realized comics at the end of the day respect comedy okay like you know so if if i am do- doing poorly then i am going to get a really bad time off stage like and i have to like yeah. stay with these guys throughout like you know we are traveling every day we are like checking in uh, to hotels together we are eating together everything is happening in a group it's a true like you know being on the road with a it's like touring with a band like the and, fame rubs off if you're even a big comedian if you're tanking three nights in a row uh, they i think they're like yeah this guy i don't know what made him famous but now the, yeah, the yeah, person yeah. who's doing well is actually given more of a sort of you know salute you know yeah 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 so com- comedians are always like respecting the kill yeah. so i was <laughs> i really wanted to do well so that yeah. i at least like you know get along with them and i feel that i belong there otherwise uh, you know uh, there, there's a chance that i would feel a little isolated which i felt in canada actually like in the first couple of days at just for laughs when i did not see any familiar faces i was like right. okay what so can you just sort of before you go into that can you just give you give give, give, give me and context people listening of uh what which part because the just just for laughs festival in uh, montreal right it's yeah. it's huge and yeah. it's got different different um aspects to it but can yes. you just talk about what uh, you went for Yeah so uh, just for laughs has a, a very uh, prestigious uh, showcase series called new faces mm. so uh, this is something that's been going on i think uh, uh, i think f- from the 90s okay. and uh, so new faces uh, some of the alumni of new faces uh, is uh, the, the list is insane it's basically uh, kevin hart uh, i think uh, amy schumer uh, hasan minaj jimmy fallon like the list never ends like you know i'm like Gary russell Goldberg. peters is on been on it as well i think no russell. i i don't think russell peters is has been on new faces okay uh, but uh, yeah but but like bunch of other like superstars like uh, yeah like uh, because i when i was applying for the visa i would like list out these names keep these are the people who have like been part of this show <laughs> nice. and i re- really had to drop a few names like big celebrities <laughs> had to drop them because it was like it was just making my email look bulky right. so it's a it's a very uh, uh, it's it's been a very prestigious showcase so mm. just for laughs uh, as a festival is a industry festival mm. which means that the entire industry is present like the comedy industry of the us uk australia like you know the first world Okay. Uh, they are all there like uh, okay. right from netflix to amazon to abc to nbc to you know cbs uh, production houses people involved in comedy people who produce like it, uh, it, it's a festival that's focused on the industry 
Okay. So, uh, new faces is one of the showcases that the industry really looks forward to. So, uh, because that's where the big star, like you know, the next big star can come. Yeah, from. your potential uh, launch platform. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So it's very, very secretive. Like they don't release the names of the new faces. They announce it uh, just like two days before the show, so that like media doesn't find out or other agents don't find out and like you know book him or like. Oh you know, right, right. Him. So it's like a big deal. So this but is, uh, but. But this was like limited to US uh, and Canadian comics only. So for the last 20-25 years, this has been going on only for US and uh, uh, Canadian comics. This was this this uh, show is so big that uh, it has a Amazon documentary series on it on just Crazy. new faces. Crazy. It's called Inside Jokes. Uh, it's on Amazon Prime, and uh, this this would be the alternate power center to. Uh, the Tonight Show. So Tonight Show was one place where you discover the launch, comics. right? The Johnny Carson, and, right, ha, right, right? Johnny Carson and like in the nineties, like you know Leno and Letterman and Conan. So this would be the alternate power structure for like launching comics, new faces of comedy. So both That's were like amazing. pretty equal. Hmm. Uh, this time uh, they did international new faces for the first time. So they opened okay. it up for the rest of the world. It's hmm. a new show, so they didn't merge it with the U.S. Canada thing that that goes on. Uh, as it is okay but this this was like they would like invite uh, 10 comics from around the world and basically oh, so it's based on invitation okay okay yeah it was it, it was based on a very thorough like selection process actually like this <laughs> the selection process was so thorough i almost missed my visa like it went Shit. on for so long that uh, we had really little time to get the visa so they asked for a video then uh, then they would shortlist uh, comics then they would uh, you know how you apply to like uh, these schools like what are your long-term goals oh shit like want, a statement like, of know, purpose <laughs> yeah yeah so we had to like you know uh, send across like you know vision plans and all yeah and uh, i sent them another video because uh, when i got shortlisted i was uh, in this place called uh, in this <laughs> this place called hayden in australia Okay. The, that town has nobody. I'm pretty right. sure it has like 100, 200 people. <laughs> we were we were there uh, on our way to another show town. We were yeah. just taking a rest because there's a wave rock. Uh, there's a monument there. Um, a natural, not a monument, a natural wave formation, which uh, is like a tourist spot. So we. Are, right. So I was there, and then I got the call that uh, okay, uh, I'm shortlisted, and then they sent me these questions, and then there was a question which said do you want to uh, tell us anything more about your application? Like something that you haven't shared in the past. Yeah. So I send them uh, a video from the show the night before in Australia. Yeah. And I think I was doing Perth. And uh, so like my pitch to them at that point was that uh, this is like me performing in a completely alien crowd, yeah. which would be my performance in Just for Laughs as well. Yeah. So, uh, and I sent them a very tight six minutes, like it was like everything was killing hard. Nice, that. nice. So I remember in that Hyden Hotel, I was like basically editing to send it to like you know, Shit, that, that's that. crazy. Nice. Yeah. So uh, it was. It, I was lucky that I was in Australia when the selection process was going on, so that gave me an added like video. To, I mean, uh, it gave you instant access to a show which was yeah. Uh, for, for them, they were able to connect with, right? Because they're like, okay, yeah. this guy's doing it in an audience yeah. which is not his stomping yeah. grounds, right? It's not yeah. like a familiar. It was almost like a rehearsal, yeah. That's fine. I mean, that's actually really a lucky break that you yeah. could, and you could do a couple of more options, right? And you could get feedback from the other Australian comedians. That, that was really yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. So, so like this selection process went through and then uh, they selected one uh, comic from India 
uh, and uh, yeah so i i i got through that and then i congratulations dude That's thank huge. you thank you so much uh, they flew me down uh, it was a big deal over there like you know they really uh, took care of us right uh, it was very, like uh, i was staying in the festival hotel where everybody else was also staying like i would meet nice. the forms in the lift i would uh, bump into jimmy car every time i went down for a smoke mark maron was there everybody every like it was just weird to be in that hotel acaster jara obra and all the british comics all the australians ronnie nice. chang these guys also came from uh, new york uh, so uh, i was i was right like just like uh, This is the Hollywood of comedy. I understood, like you know, it was yeah. like all the big boys are there. Bill Burr, I saw Bill Burr pop into a show, like just just to do a spot. <laughs> I was just there, like you know, watching some other comics. I'd gone to watch uh, an Irish comic, and suddenly I'm like, Bill Burr has showed up. What the fuck? <laughs> so this the entire city of Montreal, it, it sort of becomes. Yeah, uh, alive with comedy, basically. Yes, yes. Nice. It's a party. Like they know how to throw a party. Uh, the streets are buzzing. Like uh, the the festival mostly happens in one part of uh, the town, I think, which is like the French part of the town, uh-huh. and uh, it's it's beautiful. Uh, our show actually, uh, you know, the main showcase uh, got fucked. Uh, like we were all ready for the showcase. We had done our like you know rehearsals. We had done some practice spots that JFL had only organized. So these and are recorded then- spots, right? uh it was supposed to be a recorded spot oh you get into that okay right uh, uh, but uh, so the main showcase was uh, at this place called monument national which is canada's oldest theater it's beautiful mm-hmm. a lot mm-hmm. of videos from uh, uh, on just for laughs uh, youtube channel from like you know in the from the past has been shot there so our show was also uh, scheduled there and it was going to be shot so we did all the rehearsals and everything was ready uh, audience is packed 800 seater sold out uh one minute before show time the fire alarm goes off and uh, the show is cancelled there's a fire in the workshop in the basement of the theater oh fuck and uh, so the, the, literally the biggest show of my life was cancelled a minute before we were about to get on dude <laughs> that was something uh it did uh, it did make us the talk of town though but uh, <laughs> a show a show got cancelled so a lot of lot of comics uh, like a lot of like uh, Big comics were pretty warm. They like you know Jimmy Carr offered us some spots and all. And, so you couldn't uh, do it again. No, so so uh, we we got the venue again the next day hmm. uh, at the same time. But uh, there weren't eight hundred people anymore. There were about six hundred, which was very great. Like uh, yeah. all, almost like looking full. And yeah. that show went great. Absolutely went great. Everybody okay. did well. But there was no camera crew because they were not available the next day. Oh shit, so dude! <laughs> we perform- uh, so we, we we did not get a recording at like that beautiful fucking theater. Yeah. In a show that's killing hard, we had to do. Uh, uh, we they they arranged another show for the taping because obviously you know it was yeah. part of our contracts and all. So they had to do it. So they uh, organized another very late night kind of a thing. Uh, mm. Late night, fifty, sixty people. Uh, That was also fun, but it was nowhere close to an audience yeah. of six hundred. Like, that you know, build-up is just oh man. Yeah. So, so what was uh, so were you told what to say and were your jokes screened and were you do you have to be PC and do you have to like not be be non-offensive and were there kind of like a mandate that you have to follow because it seems like quite a um, uh, uh, curated kind of it was uh, lineup. it was yeah it it was curated uh, in the sense that they asked for the transcript of my uh, six six minute we had to all do six minutes and. Oh, right. uh, uh they uh, they asked for the transcript uh, way back like maybe like maybe 2 uh, 3 weeks before the show uh, oh, and, okay and uh, they went through it uh, 
had some good uh, advice actually the my the booker uh, for me uh, he he gave me some uh, he actually like i i i i discussed with him that uh, i knew 4 uh, minutes of my set right. my closing joke i have three options right and uh, like and i basically listed down the pros and cons of each and he kind of nudged me in the right way he did not tell me what to do but right. uh, his advice really helped me to make the decision uh, in the end of nice. like, what would be my closing to so they were like involved in it uh, i remember uh, we even uh, discussed this when when i met him uh, we discussed my set then also so he was aware of all my jokes he remembered okay. this routine this routine so he did that with all 10 people so that Uh, he probably was doing it to put everybody at ease yeah and at the same time ensure that uh, there is not like uh, no like for me there was no uh, uh, there was no feedback of like don't do this don't do this but mm. for others like uh, they got feedback like you know this is not relevant anymore this is, this seems like a 2011 joke or something else but nobody really got censored as such or told you don't say anything Did that did that make you feel like really sort of uptight when you're rehearsing and running it by so many people? Because, I mean, I I, I so I mean because it feels like you're so kind of uh, it's almost like you're acting out your part, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I did not mind this actually. I I uh, I, I think this uh, helped helped the, because uh, I was not. Uh, really rehearsing or anything i he just asked for the transcript i sent the transcript okay, and okay. then based on the feedback i was testing out stuff here so here right. i did not have somebody uh, the feeling of somebody looking over me oh you uh, did the rehearsal i mean you, you you did the sort of reiterations in bombay in bombay i was okay, doing okay. it at tcc and uh, so it was it was pretty chill like you know in tcc nobody knew that i am practicing for there yeah and yeah over yeah, there okay. people didn't know you okay, can doing it like this so uh, it it made uh, like in australia i was doing 20 minutes right. and uh, i knew that out of those 20 minutes uh, there's about 10 minutes of short jokes like you know wow. one big set that that was my plan game plan in australia nice. over here uh, my thing was you okay, can just going to do short jokes so uh, in 6 minutes i will do 12 jokes like that was my plan right. so i was uh, uh, figuring out out of those 10 minutes that like is really killing in australia what do i choose uh, and uh, having this uh, like you know somebody from gfl actually tell me ki uh, maybe do this maybe do this the industry will be there and all of that it actually helped me like you know <laughs> make some decisions otherwise i would like you know just keep everything open and then fuck up in the end so i didn't <laughs> mind I, this no that's i think because also those guys have an eye and a ear for yeah. these things right then but do you think so what what comes out of it so because when you, what they take from your set could really position you for the rest of your career right if you get picked up um as in like say you're this kind of comedian which comes comes across from your material that yeah. can really sort of define the yeah. the, the sort of path you go, take going forward right yeah it does uh, actually one of the discussions that i had with him was uh, a joke on gandhi hmm. that uh, you know uh, so i like my uh, question to him was i have this joke on gandhi which i probably uh, is not my uh, plan a like you know plan a like i want to close with something but uh, here's another option where i'm closing with gandhi because uh, this is a gandhi joke from an india yeah this is a gandhi joke from me which is very different from all the gandhi jokes that you've heard like in yeah. canada or in the us and uh, and it also is a good closing like an indian comic closes with a gandhi joke my yeah. first jokes were also in india so it gave me a sense of completion so do you think you know i should like consider uh, this because this 6 minutes is my like you know audition for the 
like you know world in that yeah. sense yeah so uh, uh, so he said that it is it is actually so your 6 minutes is basically a representation of like you know what kind of comedy you do what so you you can totally do it but mm. then uh, as as i like got closer to the show i uh, realized that it's more important to kill than like you know showcase that okay i have a gandhi joke uh, mm. so i felt that like that gandhi joke also kills but it requires a lot of setup which yeah, i didn't yeah. want to do in this kind of a show This kind of a show was like you know just start a joke, end a joke, start a joke, end a joke. Yeah, six so minutes I, at the end of the day, you don't want to sort of spend five minutes, fifty-five seconds on the build-up, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but definitely, these six minutes would like you know if people see these six minutes, if somebody from the US see the six minutes, uh, they would like you know get a good indication of who I am as a comic. Yeah. Uh, even without that Gandhi joke, I think like you know there's enough. So it uh, matters to be funny first, as opposed to building your calling card kind of thing, right? Absolutely, absolutely, right. yeah. Yeah, that's the main thing. So, what's next steps, man? Before we wind up, like, so what has come out of it? What is uh, your plan for uh, stand-up? What's come out of JFL? Have, uh, are we looking at the next uh, Priyanka Chopra Jonas? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, you're not looking at that. <laughs> yeah, no. the next FBI special investigator on, <laughs> on Miami Vice. <laughs> so, I, I think uh, JFL uh, and uh, Roadshow. Uh, back to back was a great experience for me mm-hmm. and uh, i would just want to have these experiences from time to time yeah. like uh, that's that's my goal right now uh, these experiences uh, really uh, make me like love comedy more and more uh, gives me a purpose to do because like you know apart from that i was not really building towards anything i don't mm. like you know uh, have a special to build towards or do anything so this gave me a purpose for a few months Nice. and the experiences were great so my uh, take away from this year of stand up is every year i should have like a month or two of like you know these uh, like unusual experiences that i would not get in a bombay or a delhi that's yeah. that's my aim for you know the coming years the jfl i feel like uh, uh, it will take time for uh, this property to uh, you know become big right. this is something that they are also like figuring it out like you know this year uh, they had uh, one indian maybe next year they'll have two mm. and uh, you know slowly slowly the scene will build uh, for uh, for the industry at jfl i think uh, they'll also take some time to warm up to this uh, like they also need to know that if you want to sign somebody from an india or yeah. if you want to sign somebody from say algeria what are you going to do with that person correct, so, correct. Ha- so all of this probably will take time to consolidate but hope they keep doing it because it's a it's a very good gig to get it's a great yeah. experience like you know flying down for that one show but like also getting the whole festival experience oh um, must have been something you must have been like a kid in a candy shop right yeah Just, yeah completely completely oh, <laughs> yeah i was i was so like i didn't know what to do next which is why i, I said i enjoyed australia more because australia was spread over a month and yeah. uh, every day i knew you had 14 shows to look forward to over here everything was packed into like 5 days 5 or 6 days one show mm. so uh, i just didn't know like i didn't take, uh, get any time to like you know just absorb i was just moving from one show to another one party to another yeah thank a lot <laughs> yeah of course no and that's that yeah. I mean the fr- the fringe for me was like your uh, it it was kind of you kind of get a little uh, warped in the head 
because yes. you're doing whatever 28 specials over 28 days it's just tiring man you don't it is, get it is. to enjoy the shows because you're like oh shit will i get first of all you have to go and you have to give give out flyers next thing you're like am i going to be uh, get a reviewer in and yeah. you're hearing all this so it becomes i i feel in some way it plays to your um it plays to the non comedic aspect of comedy which yeah. is getting crowds which is getting agents to represent or getting reviewers getting yeah. listed as the best new show or whatever and and after a point you're just like you get tired i mean it makes yeah. you a tighter comedian because you're doing 28 hours of that same set over 28 days but and you're doing spots across the other sort of time frame but uh, I, i don't know it's i don't know how enjoyable it is when i look back you know to style <laughs> well, i think it's something that everybody should go through yeah uh, for absolutely. sure uh, it's it's a, a unique experience but uh, like uh, thankfully uh, this road show which was like a one month thing uh, did not have the business as- aspect of it that's why mm. it was so enjoyable yeah it sounds great show, yeah road show is like the circus coming to town so you know it was not our headache about like you know ticket sales and all of that we had to yeah. just ensure that we performed Uh, we kill hard, and we. And it's like you're traveling with five, four the guys or uh, girls, yeah. and you're basically they're talking comedy, you're laughing, you have everyone Just has a sense comedy. of humor. Yeah, uh, and also like the thing about like you say doing twenty eight shows in thirty days, we also did not have that much pressure because we would do we did fourteen shows in thirty days, so we yeah. do like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, three towns, and then uh, we would have four days off, and we would go away to a beach and stay at a beach for two. How so cool! So it was it was yeah. punctuated with these experiences. So it was. Dude, that should yeah. be life, man. We travel like yeah. on holiday, and we get to do shows which are already planned and yeah. ticketed. You know, that's that is that is a life. <laughs> I couldn't believe what uh, like you know this road show that I got. That's brilliant. I couldn't believe it, man. This is incredible. This can't get better. Every week I'm thinking, wow, this is the best life, and then next week becomes better. What the fuck is going on? And uh, yeah. I also I also experienced. Uh, like you know uh, focusing on stand up after a long time you know like mm. uh, being a student of stand up is not something that probably i've done uh, after the early days like mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. when like i used to come to say like a take five and all and watch others and like study and all of that in the early days but over here i was i, I found myself doing it i didn't plan it but i just found myself rehearsing i i would never rehearse yeah. in front of a mirror and all but over here in hotel rooms in like in banbari and kalgurli and all these places i am suddenly in front of a mirror rehearsing my opening lines and all so uh, that like oh, so brilliant. it surprised me like uh, i was like disciplined after ages that surprised me and uh, yeah but it because i did not have tickets to sell flyers to do and all i could just focus on the stand up part of it and what fun that is you know just getting back to the basics i think that's yeah. uh, something uh, i think we all need to revisit and i'm glad that happened man yeah yeah it's fantastic super anirban i think that's great and as i said you know maybe we're looking at the next uh, special uh, investigator <laughs> <laughs> on the next hollywood hit but no man besides that um i hope we can gig together and i yes. uh, hope you come to bangalore and we do some shows and uh, also share parenting tips yes, uh, yes. <laughs> you are a few months ahead of me so yeah. <laughs> i'm going to call you and say dude what's happening <laughs> what, what's your daughter's name her name is shasha tanisi rao okay yeah how about you what have you been oh lovely lovely yeah. lovely lovely yeah. so yeah i mean we uh, our daughters are going to grow up together yes uh, so we is <laughs> <laughs> two comedy kids comedy kids coming into the world <laughs> oh wow okay <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff man congratulations to your wife and you and thanks so much for uh, you taking time to join me today
Thank you. Thank you so much. Big hug to your little one. Uh, take care yes. and see you soon. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you liked what you heard, please do check out the other episodes on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. And I would much appreciate it if you could like the video, share it with people who you think might enjoy it. And of course, do subscribe to the channel because it will help me and the podcast grow and reach more people just like you. So thanks again. Appreciate it.